Hamish Steele would like to battle. That was really confusing and weird, wasn't it? A little bit. I'm Hamish Steele would like to battle. Maybe that I'm Hamish Steele and I'm ready to battle. I don't know what I'm trying to do. I'm talking about Pokemon this week, all right? All right. And who are you? <laughs> I'm Jade for the honour of Grace Skull Rose. Gosh, it's almost two years of doing this and we're, we're slick, <laughs> efficient. <laughs> Pro podcasters. We were just commenting before recording. Um, this is the first time in a while that we've actually been in the same room. Perhaps you can tell. Yeah. Um, I do not remember when we last did this. No, me neither. But we've then been in the same room as each other. Yes, but not with a microphone between no. us on a bendy arm. I think we talked about how at Comic Con we uh, we're gonna we had plans. Plans, but, such um, plans. Comic Con is like. Uh, being on a very long, long, long flight, but half the people there are furries. Mm-hmm. So it should be... Um, Was it more, there more furries than there have been in recent years? Was it's there, um, uh, Sonic Fox, the uh, gay um, furry... Oh, uh, what game do I think he... Uh, Tekken. Yeah. No. Um, Dragon Ball, a Dragon Ball fighting game. He yeah, won. and he was just and, like, woo! Uh, now it's... Um, now everyone's happy to be a furry, and that's great. Yeah. But I'm noticing a lot more people being like, okay, yeah, I am. Yeah. <laughs> and that's cool. Do you have a persona? We're off topic, but I like this. This is what um, happens when we're in the room together. We can feed off each other like this. I have a scale sona. <laughs> ah. I am obviously a crocodile. Uh-huh. Lydia actually bought me as a, a birthday present, uh, well, some kind of present, um, a... a surprisingly incredibly rare uh-huh. crocodile sylvanian family <gasps> because they don't tend to go for reptiles. reptiles and things i think there's a few frogs and that's the closest you'd ever get mm-hmm. uh but yeah the and she got one and she we only found out when she uh, sent it to me that actually like she could only afford the dad yeah who interestingly is wearing a shirt which is the trans flag fantastic <laughs> so very on brand but um yeah we re- looked him up and was like oh no, they haven't made a crocodile since the 80s and there's only like 100 of them in existence. Whoa! <laughs> and, uh, um, so I'm very grateful. I've got a very rare Sylvanian family. Heck yeah. What's your first owner? Uh, a fox. Uh, I have art somewhere, uh, but this was pre-coming uh, out as sort of non-binary, mm-hmm. so it's quite femme-looking. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it's sort of a silvery blue it's also fox. It's a fox, so it can be as... I guess off-brand as possible. That's true, but uh, with, like, silvery blue mm. fur and, like, cool hair and piercings because certain things remain the same. Like, the fasona remains a fox. It's just the art. I need some more up-to-date art <laughs> where it's less femme. I actually did a commission recently, um, and it's true what they I say. I saw it. Like, it's furries so pay you good. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm realising that... Um, a big chunk of like pantheon is yeah. like buff, catering to furries. More like buff dudes with, with animal, animal heads. heads. <laughs> There's a lot in um, Dead Endia 2 of like the Demon Wrestling Federation, and I'm drawing a lot of like spandex wearing buff demon people. Look, so, I love me a bugbear. I won't <laughs> lie. There's a new character who is like a um, potential love Ooh. Uh, rival with Barney. Yeah. Um, and I've been like, pushing up and down the slider of, like, how animal I go before. <laughs> uh, we talked about Shape of Water, where I'm like, 
there's an element of that film that only certain like mm-hmm. nerds get because like a lot of people watch it and like yeah but it's still a fish I'm like yeah I know yeah, I know <laughs> anyway. Uh, anyway this is a classic catch up geek out um it's been a while. Well, it's not necessarily been a while, but we wanted to do a proper sort. We've there's been a lot of good media mm. we've been consuming. We've been engaging with things. Yeah. So we wanted to do a. Yeah, I think we're like a, little, a week behind, mm-hmm. possibly. We're a bit a little overdue, so we thought we'd do a focus. Get maybe we're going to get a, a bit deep into a couple of things mm-hmm. as we're but as for once there's some significant overlap with things we want to talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Apologies for Loki in the background. <laughs> cat noises. Cat noises. This is truly a throwback. I definitely don't hear cat noises when we're recording separately. Uh, it's because I have a different microphone okay. and it's... Um, I'm gesturing so Hamish can see. Not that none of you listen to see, but I have this mic stand mm. and I have a different microphone which has got much less... Okay. Picks up less ambient stuff. So. Well, I don't think it adds to it. Yeah. Um, it's a, ho- a homemade charm. <laughs> who wants to go first? Um, I'll go. Okay. Um, uh, the other day I finally watched Coco, which I haven't. It took. I don't know. I think it was a lack of accessibility. I haven't been able to get to the cinema easily, so I missed it when it came out here. When it came out, approximately five years after it did in America, because that's certainly what it felt like. Mm-hmm. But uh, a friend of mine um, uh, has it on US net. It's on US Netflix right now. And so we were hanging out and we were talking about um, superheroes. I'll get onto that in a minute. <laughs> um, and we were talking about favourite Pixar movies. I believe Coco's a Disney Pixar. Yeah. Yeah. And I said that The Incredibles was still my favourite. And he said, oh, what about Coco? And I said, I haven't seen Coco. And he was just like, oh, it's on US Netflix. Do you want to watch it? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. So I watched it and I haven't cried that much at a movie in a very long time. Like, it got me real good. And um, my friend Shrug was like, okay, so I realise on reflection that definitely pushes a few of your buttons. And I'm just there like, no, really? But, yeah, like the uh, trickster with a heart of gold and obviously lots of things about family and things like that. And uh, mild spoilers for Coco, Uh, father-daughter relationships. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Miss. And the songs were beautiful and the animation was stunning. Like, my 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 literal one criticism of the film is... Is it that they used the same ending as Monsters, Inc. to deal with the villain? No, it's actually... Um, <laughs> but they did. I wanted there to be more songs. Yes, I would have I been. kind of feel like I, if if it wasn't a Pixar film, it might have been a full proper... Like, a full a full on musical. That would have been fun. And, um, and unfortunately, I feel like, it, again, it possibly wouldn't be the kind of thing that Disney would adapt to stage or anything. Which is a shame. But, yeah, definitely. That'd be amazing to get some Mexican actors, some work. Mm. But it was wonderful to watch. But, yes, no, as my friend pointed out, they did use the same trick from Monsters, Inc. to reveal the (laughs) villain or to have the villain get his comeuppance. Yeah. That is significant. I haven't said who the villain is. Well, it's kind of like a weird... There's a great um, Lindsay Ellis video about Disney villains and how... It used to be the joke that the the sort of posh guy in purple or posh yeah. guy in purple or whatever was the villain and he knew straight away. Yeah. Um, I do like how it's a little bit more hidden in recent films, but I'm kind of... Over that do, now? I do kind of want the good... You don't get the chance to have the villain song and that was always the best bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, Coco's really good. Oh, yeah. 
I mean, is that, is that all you want to say? Um, I just... Because I was one of those people that when stuff, development for Coco started coming out, there was obviously a lot of talk about, oh, very similar to The Book of Life, yeah. uh, which it's really not. Mm. Um, and I just think it goes to prove, like, you know what, you can have more than one movie that explores the Day of the Dead. Yeah, and I mean, the, that, um... that culture, it's not like there's a fucking shortage of movies about that. I mean, for me watching it, I know, obviously, as being in the UK as opposed to the US, we don't even have uh, that geographical proximity. Mm. But learning about Mexican culture was super interesting to me. Um, I'm obviously aware of Day of the Dead. Uh, was it Dias los Muertos? Mm. Apologies, I never did Spanish. But it was really interesting to to learn some of that stuff. And, yeah, I just felt like it was, from an outsider perspective at least, it seemed to be handled very well and it managed to strike a really good balance between exposition... But informing, but also being interesting. And I I really love the character designs, and Mm. I love how many different ways you can make a skeleton look. Yeah, really cute. I I know I had Mexican friends who uh, were very much on the um, can we we can have two films that are about this? It's very different stories. The directors are, are, are the same. There was controversy before the film came out because Disney, being Disney, they tried to do some very strange things of like copywriting mm. elements of Mexican culture oh thinking. Disney um, but and I think that's another thing that's um, a bit like with Moana and any film they've done where they are kind of putting a culture on show there's always a question about Disney's like motives who's making this who's it for blah 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 yeah um, but you know I I, I when the there's the recent trailer for the new Lion King and it made God, me like... <laughs> I'm so mad about it. I'm so mad about it. How dare they prey on nostalgia like that? Or I mean, kudos to putting it out when they did. Just like that's the perfect time to get slightly fucking drunk millennials buzzing on their nostalgia mm. kick. But like, leaving aside the fact where it looks boring as hell, <laughs> like visually, I mean, yeah. visually, like you're not doing anything interesting. Well, it's just that I, I was, yeah, whatever. The, the, the conti- sorry, the continuing fucking diminishment of animated movies is something lesser than live action when all the fucking animals are still animated with CG. So the new Lion King has been revealed as actually 100% animation. There's not even any live action stuff. Why then? But, and like, the- fine, they're making a new animated thing, but Disney themselves have described it as a live action thing, which is it's discrediting bullshit. even the animators that have worked on this one. Yeah, not to mention the fact that the animators and the writers of the last one will get no money. Yeah. Nothing. For for basically recreating it's, shots. Yeah, it's um, bullshit. I saw, I saw, um, oh, Matt Baum. Mm-hmm. Uh, tweeted a tweet I think retweeted and just like now what would have been interesting is if they'd done a live action and it was like the costumes like the Broadway show yeah that would have been something amazing to see the um I do actually have a friend and like I, I working in the animation industry I know a few people that work on these films I, yeah um, I think I hurt the feelings of um, someone who'd been working on the Aladdin film yeah by being a bit shitty about the trailer but I have no qualms of any of the animators work on it that, like you can't fault their level, work. It looks amazing. Yeah. But it's. I had more problems with the Aladdin trailer because I felt a number of the shots were quite like busy and messy, and I couldn't 
Mm. It was a very strange trailer. I yes. did actually think the Lion King one was better. Yes. But the Lion King one was, was also shot for shot. a shot-for-shot shot recreation of the most famous scene. Yeah. So, obviously, Disney want you to make the comparisons. Why, why else do it? They yes. want those tweets that compare the two. Yeah, and I'm them. seeing, like, gift sets and gift sets and gift sets of the side-by-side. Side. But from... <laughs> they know we're talking about cats. <laughs> um... The, yeah, I mean, like, they, I don't know what Disney wants us to feel. No. Like, are we supposed... To, I mean, they want us to be nostalgic and cry or whatever. Yeah. But, like, I can watch The Lion King whenever I want. Yeah, it's still there. And I think with this film, it's showing up that their, their only goal is to make something look as realistic as possible. But there's no, like thought seemingly put into yeah. like colour helping tell the story or yeah. like there's one shot That's what I meant about being boring for, yeah, for the Yeah, like the, there's um there's one shot in the particular in the in the in particular <laughs> in the trailer. The scene that they're copying of Simba's birth, it's like a sunrise and it's very mm. clear like all the animals are heading in the same direction. And yeah. there's a really great shot of um is it Kilimanjaro? I think so. Like, and the animals in silhouette in the... Like, some of the animals in silhouette, but, like, there's these birds and they're mm. white against the red of the mountain. Yeah. And it's beautiful. you can see that, oh, no matter what, whether you're an ant or a, mm. a giraffe, you're, like, all heading to this one direction, but it's, yeah. like, bathed in sunlight. And it's... It just... Colour is so It was important. majestic. Yeah. And, oh. and this looks like their their one goal is to make it look like a David Attenborough documentary. Yeah. And that's fine, but it's not Why? Yeah. <laughs> I, I I find myself asking the question why? And we're gonna get on to other stuff, but let me just use this opportunity to say the fact that they're gonna remake Lilo and Stitch as live action. <sighs> the one the one upside, great, give some Hawaiian actors work. Mm. It's a shame that they can't bring Tia Carrera back to play Nani because mm. I love that woman, but she don't not, not she don't look nineteen. <laughs> but the thing is, that's gonna look bad, mm. quite frankly. That said, with a trailer coming up that we're gonna be talking about, those are creatures that look very actually surprisingly good. But we'll get to that <laughs> in a moment. The notion of having a CGI Stitch and the other aliens interacting with human actors, and speaking to somebody that loves Who Framed Roger Rabbit. <laughs> like that's one of my favorite movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That thought just feels me like, why would you do that? There's something about Lilo and Stitch, the way the humans are animated. They almost the fact that they don't look jarring next to the aliens. Mm. And these aliens are such fabulous designs. Jumba is all big with all of his eyes and his big mm. smile, and Pleakley is look fucking bizarre with his big eye, and the the Grand High the High Council woman. All these really radical, different looking aliens from each other, and Stitch himself compared to the humans, but it all works together. Yeah. And as soon as you're going to have CGI aliens with uh, human actors, I don't think that can look good. No. I can only imagine it. Like and I'm going to go to the cinema <laughs> and I'm going to be so mad about it. I just think, I mean, this wasn't on our list of things to talk about. But no. I, um, I, what I was going to say is that, like, next year, mm -hmm. Disney has coming out. Dumbo, The Lion King, uh, Captain Marvel, Avengers 4, Spider-Man 2, um, Toy Story 4, Frozen 2, um, Mary Poppins comes out at the end of the year, so it's going to be similar to as at the start. Yeah. Uh, there's an Artifice Fowl movie, which is fine. Do that, because that's something new. Uh -huh. um, 
I was just like counting and like almost every weekend next year or, or every other weekend they have a massive film coming out. That's ridiculous. And like I'm a huge nerd. I love Disney movies. I love Marvel movies and stuff. I may have Star Wars 9 coming out next year. Yeah. And I'm like it's it's kind of frightening. Yeah, I mean, I've seen a couple of I think Lindsay Ellis did a, a great video about this. Mm. Um I think movies with Mikey has maybe spoken about this. The monopoly of Disney, the fact that they own so many franchises, there isn't room for other stuff to breathe. Mm. And it's like people are trying. And, like, they put out lots of varied things. Like, yeah, I'm not saying it's homogenous, but the fact is it's all Disney. They're all kind of... There's the same model. Mm. And you don't get the rewards for interesting yeah. th- films that are trying to do something different. I mean, obviously you have the little movies that come through, but they become overshadowed. I mean, it's part of the reason why I think a lot of um, sort of queer nerd um, got a lot out of Venom. Yeah. Because even though Marvel is still owned by Disney, it's still a Sony film. It doesn't have the complete control of Disney. Yeah. And, like, it was super rough around the edges and messy and, like, kind of stupid. Mm-hmm. But it felt new in a lot of ways. Sure. And it felt... It it reminded a lot of people of, like, 2002-esque yeah, era, that... like, superhero films, where I'm like, why does this exist? This is so far off the source material. But... But they seem to be having fun, I think. Yeah, like, question mark. And I think it's just that. I Like, Disney films are very polished... Um, because they're expected to be. Yeah. There's a level of expectation with Disney films or films owned by Disney now, like the Marvel movies, mm. regardless if you view them as a Disney property or as a separate thing, regardless of the technicality, they have a quality to them. Mm. And I don't just mean in a proof of quality kind of way, <laughs> but like a vibe to them. Yeah. I mean, that's not to say, like you said, there aren't uh, movies next year coming out belong- owned by Disney that I'm excited for. Yeah. Hell yeah, Captain Marvel. But also I look at Dumbo and I'm just like, why? Dumbo, of all the live-action movies, they released a trailer for Dumbo, Aladdin and Lion King in quite quick succession. Yeah. Um, Dumbo was the one that, like, interests me most, mostly because Danny DeVito is playing a, like, um, circus ringmaster. Oh, they got DeVito in to play the ringmaster. So it's Big Fish again. Well, because it's a Tim Burton film. Yeah. And I have a, a quantum of more interest in post Johnny Depp, Tim Burton, uh, mm. and see, like it's, it looks like a completely different film. Yeah. Because Dumbo didn't have any human characters in, really. It no. Some, like, didn't, I mean, he didn't need them, but... No. So I don't know what this film's about, but it, yeah. at least it's like, eh, I'll see Tim Burton make a circus movie with Danny DeVito. Sure, <laughs> sure. Um, anyway, we're so off topic. Let's get to the first of your things. Let's talk about uh, Catching them All. Catch them, oh, catch them, yeah, gotta yeah, catch them yeah. all. Speaking of trailers. Yeah. Um, so Pokemon's very much on my mind at the moment. Uh-huh. Uh, I just bought Let's Go Pikachu, mm-hmm. um, which I'm really enjoying. I think I described it. I, I was a guest recently on my brother's podcast, Games on Film, which is about films based on video games. Uh-huh. I'm there. As the name might suggest. Yes. I am their Poke expert. Uh-huh. So I've been on, whenever they've done a Pokemon film, I'm, I've been on for that. Um, we were really harsh on the second Pokemon film. I don't know why. Is that Pokemon 2000? Yeah. Yeah, I saw I think, that one in the cinema. I think mostly we don't like Tracy because we, we're, we're, we're a big Brock um, household and we love Brock and his charmingly sexist ways. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jeez. And Tracy is just a wet flannel of a character. 
Anyway. Anyway. Uh, judgment of Tracy I think aside. I, I think it's interesting. On that episode, um, I hadn't got Let's Go Pikachu yet, and I described it as my most obligatory purchase from Nintendo in a while. Ah. Uh-huh. And yet, I'm actually really enjoying it a lot more than recent Pokemon games. It's This is the one that... Um, Let's Go Eevee as well. This is one that's a remake of Yellow, but with elements of Pokemon going, correct? Yeah. Um, I think one of the big... Like, Pokemon Go... It's really interesting. It's still viewed within Pokemon fandom as a spin-off game, but like money-wise, it's now the main Ching Pokemon Ching. game. Yeah. Um, so this game is very much trying to bridge the gap between like the millions of mon- pounds of money they make from Pokemon Go. But bringing... It's like a gateway game, isn't yeah. it? Especially it's in the, their big RPGs due to come out next year. Yeah, and I think um, typically they don't... They A lot more money goes into making them and a lot less money comes back from them. Yeah. But... Um, Anyway, I in just a very short segment, I felt that a lot of the things they've done are actually quite good. Uh-huh. Um, they've really streamlined it, really simplified it. Um, there's elements I actually do want to continue into the main series. Let's let the cat in. Hello. You might go out again. Oop. Yeah, I know pets. They always want to be... Where, where you are. <laughs> um, anyway, it's good. What has more... Um, been an element of uh, <laughs> sorry I'm just admonishing a cat <laughs> um, basically the week before Pot Let's Go came out um, a trailer was dropped the for... same day as the trailer for as the teaser for Toy Story 4 and believe me I saw nobody <laughs> talking about Toy Story 4 oh but the, the thing I've only heard people talking about Toy Story 4 is um, but Toy Story 3 was only a few years ago. Nope. nope. Nine years ago. Oh! What? Um, the trailer for Detective Pikachu. Let's talk about Detective Pikachu. So, let's talk about the fact when I first saw it, um, I had the sound off. I was on a train. All right. And I watched the trailer with the sound off. How was that? Um, and I thought, oh, wow, this looks really cute. And then I watched it with the sound on, and I genuinely thought it was like a... What if Deadpool was voicing Pikachu kind uh-huh. of comedy thing? I have to say, I'm really looking forward to the next Deadpool movie when they make gags <laughs> about him being Pikachu, I have to say. I I, I described me... Because I've watched this t- trailer probably more than I've watched any other trailer. Uh-huh. I have combed through it. I'll bet. I've watched analysis videos pointing out every single Pokemon that's in it. Um, and I, every Nerd. time I've watched it, I've been in a different stage of grief. So- <laughs> So, uh-huh. okay, no, but get, don't, I, I love this trailer, okay, so don't think of it the wrong way. I'm not. First time was shock. Yeah. Like, how does this exist? Uh-huh. Next time is denial. This does not exist. This is a fake. This is a parody. Are you, are you checking notes? No, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> then it's anger. I, 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 I had lots of things to say about texture choices, like... Oh, okay. Like... Hey. Oh, you're one of the ones that think that Jigglypuff should look like an inflatable beach ball, right? Shiny, well, like thing. plastic. But, uh, that was my gut reaction. And all, my actual main issue is um, Pikachu's cheeks. Yes, they I are, saw like, this. bits of red-coloured fur. You can open your sweets. Yeah, I'm just trying to not do it right next to the microphone. <laughs> I always felt that they should be, like, pads. Like, like, to- like toe beans. Yeah. Though Pikachu does have toe beans. Yeah, but like they should be, they're, they're described very much as like little electricity pads. Yeah, that tries. And things like that. But then that made me like, so the next stage is bargaining. And it made me think, actually, 
I'm sure they did try that out. I'm sure they did try a smooth Jigglypuff. This is one of the few films in a very long time where I'm like, I need that art book because I want to know every single Pokemon is a series of decisions. Yeah. And a lot of them are like quite shocking at first. But over time, I'm like, actually, I know why. And actually, one of the things I'm really impressed by is every single Pokemon has 100% retained its silhouette. Mm. It's very much the Pokemon, but like mm. they've, they've struck they've struck a balance where they look big quotation marks real, but still look like yeah, and they don't they typically don't look gross. Yeah, I forget the name of the artist, um, but he mm. got very famous on Deviant Art, I believe, for doing yeah, yeah. photorealistic or real world versions of Pokemon, and they brought him on into the movie. Yeah, which is. Who says fan art won't fucking get you work? <laughs> and his, his, a lot of people were um, sharing his work as a, like, this is what realistic Pokemon should look like. And he was like, um, I worked on the film, it's fine. But that's the thing, his, his, his went really far the other way. So, like, he would... Um, yeah. They, they look more like animals, and if you, like, squint, oh, yeah, I can see that's the Pokemon. Yeah. Um, and, now, and now, the last time I watched the trailer, I was, like, holding back tears. Like, you fucking nerd. The thing that's really shocked me, because I have been sort of following the progression of this film, I remember seeing a set photo of, like, um, a police station and they had, like, a missing poster for a po- Pikachu or uh, for a Squirtle outside. And I was yeah. like, oh my god, this is real. Yeah. Um, but it the thing that surprised me the most was that it, it, like, it does seem to come from love. Yeah, I mean, because I assumed that the whole Detective Pikachu thing was kind of a gag because I wasn't aware of the Detective Pikachu game. Few people are. <laughs> so, was it not released in the States? Was it a, a Japan-only game? Well, I I think it got announced as a film before it was released in the States. Okay. And I think for the longest time I was like, why make a game? Why make Detective Pikachu? That's the weirdest choice. It's, why mm. not just make a Pokemon film? And I think what happened was they wanted to make a Pokemon film and Detective Pikachu with, like... Ryan Reynolds voicing him is a really good way to make a film that isn't... Like, if they wanted to just do a film about a Pokemon trainer, I think it would come across really... Well, very cheesy and very, Mm. like, uh, hard for anyone that doesn't care to give a shit. Yeah. And this, like, this kind of works in a kind of Lego movie type way where it's loving, but they are distanced enough to sort of make fun of it. Yes. And, like, I think... They'll be they'll have a lot of humor that like works on the level of mm. fan service and yeah like even the gag in the trailer about just like she can't hear me kid like yeah. this is what she hears as somebody put it out also it's a PG thirteen so we're mm. gonna get one fuck and I want to know how they choose to phrase that we can get one in there I'm <laughs> just like well like I mean yeah we'll but, see what happens yeah I'm I'm excited like I think people people get a uh, Depending on one's view of Deadpool and stuff like that, Ryan Reynolds genuinely seems to be a very cool person mm. and very keen to engage with fans. He seems like a very switched-on individual. And his passion for this, yes, we could argue that they were cowards and they should have cast Danny DeVito as the voice <laughs> of Pikachu. But I think Ryan Reynolds is going to do a fun job. I am, and I'm looking forward to it. I love how upsettingly unsettling Psyduck looks in that trailer. Oh, yeah. I mean, Psyduck's in a few bits, which makes me think he's, like, he's, second Pokemon. Yeah, lead. the female... Yeah. Friend. And that's such a good choice because, again, like, he's some. Psyduck's a character, a Pokemon a lot of people remember. 
Mm. Has a very strong personality. Yeah. Spy? Um, yeah, like, what a, What if a duck, but it's always got headaches? Yeah. <laughs> um, the eternal mood. I just, I think, like, genuinely, one of the biggest surprises I felt, there's posters in the main character's room, mm. and one of them says Sinnoh Pokemon League. Yeah. And that's the region from Diamond and Pearl, probably the least played of the Pokemon games. Yeah. And it's like, oh, so this is actually taking place in the Pokemon universe. This is... This is not a weird crossover with our world. Yeah, I was I was totally expecting a film in which Pikachu awakes in our world and, wait, you're a Pikachu kind of thing. Yeah, but no. But no, it's a Pokemon thing. And, like, I actually think starting in a sort of, like, ground-level mm. way, like, the amount of people talking about this, I think this is going to be a huge hit. Yes. I don't think it'll be the last Pokemon film we see. No. And I think, I don't know, I think yeah. we might be getting, like, big Pokemon League stories, blah, 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 blah. But like, Which is exciting. I'm, I'm into it. Yeah, I mean, we talk about a lot about trading on millennial culture, but the thing is, Pokemon... As somebody... I never played the games. I never did the trading cards, but I love the animated series. Mm. Like, I have a lot of fond feelings for that franchise, even as somebody that wasn't as into it as other people. And I'm excited for it. I think I genuinely... My first reaction to that trailer was... What the fuck am I seeing? Was my first reaction. Yeah. But at the same time, I was just like, I don't know what it is, but I'm into it. It's a bit like Venom, and a lot of people have been um, comparing it to the Mario movie. All right. And it's kind of, but like, not in a bad way. It's just like, with Disney and with, with that, like, uh, need for things to be sort of perfect and polished. It's really rare to see a film come out yeah. where you're just like, how does this exist? <laughs> in a world of like really safe choices happening in media, yeah. like obviously making a Pokemon movie, it's going to make money. This Pokemon movie. <laughs> this particular Pokemon movie. This particular style. Yeah. Um, and also it's got, you know, a black lead. Yeah. It's got um, Ken Watanabe, who I love. Mm -hmm. A bit disappointed he's not playing Professor Oak. Yeah. But um, I think it'll be great. Yeah, I'm excited. What have you been watching? I finally finished watching Killing Eve. Yes. It took me so long to get through it, what with other stuff, and mm -hmm. then I've got this weird bug going on my Google Chrome that desaturates videos. So, oh. yeah, I'm not apparently I'm not the only one with it, and I, they haven't worked out what I was doing. Anyway... So I had to, like, get signed in over in Firefox and it was a whole fucking thing. Mm -hmm. But apparently it's based on books and I feel like I should... And a series of books, which make... Yes, please dive into the sweets. Yes. Those are sour. Just heads up. <laughs> the, gay, the gay belts are here. They're, they're tasty. Um, but, yes, I finally finished it. And I am such a fan. That show makes some... One, the casting is fantastic. Mm -hmm. Uh... I finally understand the Sandra O oh thing. <laughs> yeah. Like, because I've never watched Grey's Anatomy, which is the one other big thing I know. She, and she's popped up in, um, I think she's in Sideways okay. and beats the crap out of one of the characters with a motorcycle helmet. <laughs> it's very good, is the thing. But she is phenomenal in it. I think it's Jodie Colton who plays uh, Villanelle, is a fucking gift. Fiona Shaw is there as a MI6 agent. And um, I think I saw another thing, this a trade of something coming out with Ruth Wilson, um, mm. Sector in the World, and Fiona Shaw was there as a boss. And I'm just like, okay, so clearly if we need a woman of authority in the intelligence industry, they're going to get Fiona Shaw in. And frankly, I'm here for it because Fiona Shaw can turn up in everything. She's in the Mario movie. Uh, yes, we were discussing this, weren't in we? A, in, a, in a perspex dress. Love Fiona Shaw. She's having a great time. And she's one of ours, isn't she, mm. Fiona Shaw? 
But uh, yeah, she has this fucking the choices that that show makes. Could you think oh, it's quite a by the book sort of intelligence spy based thing? Uh, a woman is pulled from her normal job in MI five to do a secret mission with MI six, mm-hmm. hunting down this uh, assassin. And that's basically the overarching premise of the of the series. But they make such interesting choices in terms of character and script. There's this moment where uh, Carol and Fiona Shaw's character brings Eve to the secret headquarters. It's not at MI6. It's like a hidden somewhere in London, just off like a main roundabout. I'm fairly certain I recognise. But they're at the door and Fiona Shaw just looks to the side, just like, you know, I once saw a rat there drinking from a can of Coke, just holding it with both hands. Extraordinary. (laughs) (laughs) It was just like, this is very good. Yeah. It was just just like extraordinary. Uh, I'm just going to chuckle to myself about that for a moment. Carry on. I will admit I've not actually seen it. I have... Uh, seen, I think the BBC has put up like compilations of lines. Yeah, and it's definitely on my like. How does this show exist? I need to watch yeah. it. Do it's all it's on BBC for those people that can access BBC iPlayer. It's available for like a year. Yeah. So definitely get in there and watch it. But it's also super queer. Mm. Um, Villanelle herself. Uh, we see her having sex with both men and women. Uh, she expresses attraction to Eve. Uh, Eve herself has an interesting relationship with Villanelle, even though they spend most of the, uh, the series never meeting. Mm. There's this point where she's describing Villanelle to a sketch artist and her supervisor, Bill, is just, like, looking at her like, uh-huh. <laughs> There's this great conversation with Bill, actually. Um, spoilers for Killing Eve. Do you mind being spoiled? Not too much, no. Okay. Uh, his character is killed by Villanelle. It's mm. one of Eve's main driving forces and conflicts about about what happens. And it sucks because it happens in the episode where we find out a whole bunch of stuff about Bill's past in that he lived in Germany for 10 years, mm-hmm. working just like, for eight years of that, I said yes to everything. And just very casually talking about being queer mm. and being polyamorous and kinky and just like, oh. And this is um, an older a gentleman, mm. a family man now but still has this relationship and a very understanding thing with his wife and they both get to have sex with other people. Just talking casually about it. And you don't often see older characters getting yeah, to yeah. be that. So the fact that he then got killed at the end of that episode, it really fucking sucks. But also we got to know him as a person. And he got to be funny through mm. most of it. And Darren Boyd is in there as a random person. He's got some interesting plot stuff. It's just really, when we talk about seeing... Interesting queer characters. This is the kind of thing we're talking about. And the fact that Killing Eve takes a story, we see a lot of narratives about anti-hero men. Mm. The psychopaths, for want of a better word. The Walter Whites, the Tony Sopranos. People like that. We don't get to see female characters be like this. We don't get to see female law enforcement officials getting to be interesting and complex. Sandra Oh is so funny in Killing mm. Eve. Like, so funny. Everybody's actually very funny. You think you're in a spy drama and there's so much humour in it. Yeah. It's really rad. I cannot recommend it. Now, if violence makes you feel uncomfortable, then it is definitely not the show to watch because they do not shy away from the violence. It's the good shit. I recommend it. I really want to watch it. It's, it's I'm in that problem of, like, we tend to watch things that Justin and I can agree to watch very quickly. Yeah. Um, and then all my other time is spent watching my personal trash. Very yeah. into Terrace House at the moment. Yeah. I think, um, I think Justin would like Killing Eve. I think he would. He loves a, He likes kind of murder mystery or like... Oh, he'll be into it. Yeah, and yeah. true crime and things. Oh, there. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Um, well, I'm going to quickly talk about an, uh, another thing, a bit like Detective Pikachu, which I can't believe exists. Mm-hmm. Although this came out many years ago, and I'm only just catching up. Okay. I have started playing Kingdom Hearts. Okay. Starting with the first one. Isn't um, that, like, universally described as be, like, the worst one? Yeah, but i got to start there. Yeah, fair. And, like, um, it's, I feel like it's bad mostly in the, like, it's an early noughties kind of hack and slash game. I'm very sorry, I'm opening a back of matchmakers. It's perfectly fine. Um, I've been uh, kind of live-tweeting my experiences. It's more that, like, so I grew up completely on Nintendo consoles, and this is a PS, uh, PlayStation game. I think it's PS2. I thought the first one was PS1. It may be. I don't know. Um, and, yeah, I I kind of would love to watch a sort of ten-part docudrama about the creation of this game. Because sure. I'm very confused as to how it exists. <laughs> um, I describe it as Space Jam, or just, like, spins the wheel, uh, let's put Final Fantasy characters with spins the wheel uh, Disney characters. Um... Again, I feel like, speaking about Disney a lot, but I feel like this is one of the last things before kind of pre-modern Disney. Uh-huh. Like, it's kind of interesting that the, so far the main Disney franchises that that I've been exploring have been Hercules and Tarzan. It's very early noughties choices of how Disney's represented. Yeah. Um, but for those who don't know what Kingdom Hearts is about... Neither do I, really. <laughs> I'm like quite deep into the game. You have nothing that you can tell people. No. Um, it's People always talk about it being very confusing, and I don't think I've got to any confusingness yet in terms yeah. of plot. But uh, it is um, basically about characters from the Final Fantasy series slash characters designed to look like new characters, but yeah. from that kind of world. Um kind of like all these parallel universes are being destroyed by an evil intergalactic eldritch space nightmare. I should do. And those worlds include the worlds owned by the Walt Disney Company. Uh-huh. And like, I'm not not just like cartoons. There is a Pirates of the Caribbean world. There's yeah. a, a specifically Tron Legacy world. With, okay. Is it Kurt Russell? Yeah. Like... Kurt Russell interacting with Goofy and like Cloud from Final Fantasy. I've now heard. Is it Kurt Russell? Is it Kurt Russell? Now I'm going to look it up. I think it is. Please continue. Maybe it's not. I get a few of those kind of actors mixed up. Anyway, I, 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 it's, it's a constant whiplash. Yeah. (laughs) Um, hearing um, James Woods. As, Jeff Bridges. Ah, uh, I do get them mixed up a lot. Yeah, no, me too. Um, but yeah, Jeff Bridges with, like, Goofy, who's dressed up as a anime character. Okay. Uh, there's, um... It, also, the voice acting. The voice acting is really interesting. It's a combination of, like, the original actors and people that voice them and other things. And then, like, the, like so there's this Final Fantasy character voiced by Angel from Buffy... And okay. He's not very good at it. Because <laughs> I don't know. He sounds really bored. Yeah. Like, I mean, to be fair, that's kind of David Burns. <laughs> exactly. Like, I do like him. Yeah. But he, I don't think he kind of understands what voice actors do because he's just a bit bored the whole time. Your main character is voiced by Hayley Joel Osmond. <laughs> okay. And um, I have now heard James Woods as Hades say Cloud Strife, the main character from Final Fantasy VII. 
Because Hades wants to kill Hercules, so of course he hires the protagonist from a Final Fantasy. Of course. Too, so. Absolutely. Why wouldn't you? I'm just... I'm enjoying it, but I think what I'm more enjoying is tweeting about it, and every like diehard fan of the series I've come across, A, have been like, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> also, a lot of them have said things like, you can't really understand Goofy's side quest in the second one unless you watch this four-hour video of, of like okay. the spin-off. And it's like... I'm really in, I'm really excited to get to the stuff that apparently confuses people. Yeah. Because at the moment, it is just, I go to Disney World's, I sort out... Their shit. You know, Alice in Wonderland's issue, and then we go off. Uh-huh. Um, I just love... I sometimes love describing things that have happened in the games um, completely out of context. So, currently, um, my spaceship has crashed because <laughs> Donald Duck's emotions got the better of him, and we have now crashed... <laughs> We are now crashed into Tarzan's hut. And I think Donald Duck's being kidnapped by, like, Clayton, the bad guy from Tarzan, who's going to, like, roast him. Also, Chip and Dale are there. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, it's it's bizarre. Yeah. But it sounds it, like a fever dream. But it's fun sometimes getting into, like, a very deeply mm. loved franchise, completely cold, mm. years after it was relevant. I mean, there's a third game coming out. Um, Hasn't that been coming out for like eight years? I read years, a list of things years. that have happened between Kingdom Hearts two and three, and one of the the one that shocked me the most was the entirety of Homestuck. Yeah, which I thought has existed since time immemorial. <laughs> 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 I thought there was never a time before Homestuck. The internet had to be invented to gain us access to Homestuck. Yes, uh, that's my understanding too. You know, it's 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 just fun. It's good to always be willing to. Enter a, a franchise. God, I wish I understood Homestuck. I, I have so many friends that are Homestuck people. I've definitely started it a few times. I just, no, I, I don't even know enough to take the piss. Normally, if I don't understand a thing, <laughs> I just assume it's Homestuck. Though we were talking, we saw a couple of troll cosplayers at oh. MCM this year, and we were like, Homestuck. I do tend to tell, if people don't know what Homestuck is, I just say, ever seen the grey people with candy corn horns at Comic Con? Like, yeah, it's like, that's Homestuck. <laughs> I don't know anything else. <laughs> um, oh, jeez. But yes. Uh, ba, 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 ba. Um, just a small shout out. I'm aware of how long we've been talking already. Sorry. No, it's don't. It's a long time. Yeah, it has. Um, I've started watching Letters from Screenplay, mm-hmm. which is a YouTube channel just like uh, dissecting, analysing um, films from the writing perspective and just yes. like things that come from it. Uh, the guy who hosts them, Michael... Uh, really well informed, super cool guy, and as somebody that has tried to write in the past and may try to write in the future, as somebody who is a fan of film as a genre, it's cool to look at from that perspective. He's not afraid to critique things he likes, and it's always very well informed. Lots of outside sources. It's really, um, as the title might suggest, they're looking to. He's looking to educate people. Um, I've just been watching some film analysis stuff recently. I think I, I cannot. I think Just Right is the channel. Uh, I appear, I think I because I watch Lindsay Ellis videos and movies with Mikey, uh, I get the odd bit of movie analysis stuff thrown my way and I'm wary about checking some because there's obviously so many bad takes on the internet. Yeah. But no, I've been lucky and I've been enjoying myself. So I consider that my recommendation of Letters from the Screenplay, especially if you are interested in writing. I've been working with a script editor for the first time on um, the second Dead Endia book. And How are you finding it? I'm writing. It's like such an important job and I feel like you can really tell when things don't have them or haven't 
utilize them enough. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen it. I'm not really talking about it. Not to sidetrack again. But uh, I was thinking a lot about what a script editor on the new Fantastic Beasts film would be like. Because mm. I'm like, it, it. it's really telling when you can see a writer who isn't open to listen to those kinds of criticisms. Like, um, there's definitely been times in Doctor Who, for example, when I can tell script writers haven't... Because script writers do so much. Yeah. They're not just typos and like plot holes yeah they're communicating they're making sure that the writer and the people in like the art department are all, all on the stuff. same page it's, yeah it's about cohesion um, so it's definitely something i'd like to do for maybe other people or mm. like get better at i think it's something i'd quite enjoy doing yeah like as as like to help people refine their ideas yeah the the one i have for delendia is really really cool i love her a lot because she's queer and like she was the one that super volunteered to do this book because she's like, I think I know where this person's coming from. Oh, that's always um, cool. And it's nice talking to someone about Dead Air. I, I've talked to fans and they don't always know everything. And it's nice talking to someone who like knows every single tertiary character Yeah. and asks me really tough questions. Like, you you keep doing this, but why? And like, what does this mean? Why yeah. Why is this in this book? And 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 being open to cut scenes I've had in my head for years. Yeah. Because it's muddying the plot. I am very sorry. Sorry? Um, I think we should have our tea break and then we can talk about two other things we want to catch up. And we have some important news that we neglected to mention at the top of the mm. podcast. Uh, if people want to stay tuned for that. Um, yes. But yeah, let's, uh, let's have a quick break as we've been at this a while. Middle section of the show. <laughs> yeah, hi. This is. I think we complain about things being long a lot, and then we end up not being that long. Yeah, but this one does feel long. A little bit. On many tangents. A little bit. This is what happens. I think when we're in the same room. Yeah, I think it's easier. Um, feed off each other's energy. Well, thanks for sticking with us. Yes. Um, as we said at the end, we do have something to talk about. Um, but until then, we'd like to thank as ever our wonderful sponsor. Beastly Beverages, Phantom and Fantasy, Luxury Hand-Blended Loose-Leaf Tea, and Tea-Related Geeky, <gasps> a paraphernalia. The business is queer-owned, all ingredients are organic and fairly traded, and almost all the products are suitable for vegans. And we have a sponsor code. It's problematic. No, really, that's what the code is. That's <laughs> It's the word problematic. And that'll get you 10% off your order. Uh, Beastly Beverages ships worldwide, so wherever you are, you can take advantage of this. I do also know that... Um, change is afoot for the owner of Easy Beverages. Yes. The, the, that doesn't mean to uh, not support them. That's the opposite. I think they're going to need all of the help they can get. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, you can find them on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram. Uh, they've got a Patreon. Yeah. Um, stay tuned in there to hear both of the exciting things. There's a, there's a Venom coffee coming and I am very <laughs> excited. Uh, I think I can also say that there's a 13th Doctor thing that I'm doing the art for. <gasps> I kind of bagsied that. <laughs> nice. Um, uh, Is that going to be a tea? I believe so. Cool. I'll I have no idea that. what it'll taste like. Yeah. Uh, it tastes like Sheffield Steel. Gabe, the, uh, nice. <laughs> Gabe the tea wizard behind uh, Beastly Beverages, uh, on seeing the first episode of... Uh, Jodie Whittaker's run basically said is anyone else or does this doctor remind anyone else of Jade and I was just saying so I'm intrigued to see what this tea will be like I have to say Um, we are also sponsored by Dungeons and Queers 
Dungeons and Queers is an all-trans, all-queer, actual play D&D 5th edition podcast that can be found on iTunes or Google Play or most other podcasting apps. These players focus on diverse characterization and good representation, specifically focusing on diverse genders, orientations, races, and disability. It's a deaf accessible podcast with transcripts for the episodes available, and now is the perfect time to hop on. If you love Friends at the Table or The Adventure Zone but wish they were queerer, this is exactly the podcast for you. Download it and make sure you don't miss out on Undead Hordes, High Adventure, and Larry the Cable God. Okay, um, we are also sponsored by Polyam Radio, who are currently on a bit of a hiatus. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll give a shout out to them as they're wonderful folks. It's a show all about relationships, love, and polyamory, about queer love, that creepy uppy kind of love, that kind of love that enriches our lives and makes us do stupid things. It's about relationships that work, habits that don't, and things we wish we didn't do or that our partners did. It's about queers uh, and their experiences and analysing mistakes and letting the listener know how not to make them. Also available on iTunes, Google Play and podcasting platforms. There was recently a Louis Theroux documentary about polyamory. I don't want to talk about it. Kind of upset me. Um, Oh, cool. Um, I saw a friend of the show, Paul, uh, tweeted a thread of somebody basically ripping apart a review Mm. of said documentary and uh, echoing Paul said, oh, cool, well, I know not to watch that then. It's because I really do like Louis Theroux. Yeah. And I I was surprised how difficult he found the concept, and I don't know if that was mostly for the benefit of the presumably what-the-hell-is-polyamory audience. Yeah. But there were moments of, like, him acting like he couldn't possibly imagine why any man would let a woman hug his wife or like it was just some very strange things and i definitely know that they chose the subjects because they made good telly yeah and they were they definitely chose people who looked slightly unsure or uncomfortable it was very weird didn't really like it yeah so what i'm saying is that if you want some good good content yes go through this back catalog and Mm. um yeah um, I think that's it for the middle section. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's get back to the main things. We've got uh, our news, but first a bit more catching up and geeking out. Boy, howdy. Let's talk about some ladies. <laughs> ladies, <laughs> ladies, ladies, ladies. Some just gal pals. Yeah. Um, who should we start with? We mentioned her in the break. Let's yeah. talk about the 13th Doctor. So, Doctor uh, Who, we always tend to sort of catch up on what's going on in the latest episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually, you wanted, we both put this mm. on our notes and I'm not sure where the other's coming from. Yeah. So, who wants to go first? Well, what I will say is that uh, when we last spoke about Doctor Who, we had some quibbles about sort of the uh, villains and the endings of episodes and how we sort of like, they kind of fell up, they fell off at the end. Mm. Um, I feel like, despite I have some severe issues with the most recent episode, um, but Demons of the Punjab and uh, Kablam at least did some interesting stuff with the antagonists. Mm-hmm. And when things shifted, I didn't feel like, oh, well, they dropped the ball, but rather, oh, that was an interesting decision narratively, even if I have severe issues with Kablam. <laughs> yeah, it's... Well, I mean, okay... Look, I'm all for a skewing. I'm all for a scathing take on Amazon. Don't get me wrong. I don't, but I, I don't know. But if I don't it know if was. that was what it was. <laughs> um, I think this is. This does not give me any pleasure to say. I do think if people listen to the show, they'll know that I've tended to be a bit of a defender of the Moffat era. I, I um, really enjoyed his run on the whole. Um, 
And I'm wondering if I'm going through the same experience that people who hated to zero and dropped off of Doctor Who are not ever going to drop off, but I'm kind of realizing more and more that this like isn't my Doctor Who in some ways. Yeah, and that gives me no pleasure. Um, but I was thinking, like at the moment, this might be my least favorite series. Um, I think that's fair. I absolutely love Jodie Whittaker. I really love the characters, the companions. But the stories... And I lo- Yeah, I love a lot of the elements for stories and I like where they've chosen to do stories on. But more and more, I'm finding that the 13th Doctor doesn't... doesn't really... isn't really the hero I wanted to be. Yeah. Um, I guess I'll, we'll talk a bit about Kablam. Let's. Because that... I don't think this was the first time I felt this in the story, but... That ending, that fucking comment, but what's it, the system is broken? No, there's nothing wrong with the system. People abuse systems. It's just like, mm, no, I'm going to... create these systems. I'm going to disagree with you there, Doc. So basically, I'm... I, so last, spoilers for Kablam. Spoilers for Kablam. Last season, there was an episode in which Peter Capaldi destroyed capitalism, <laughs> um, which wasn't a perfect episode. It was Good times, though. Um... And, like, this episode was, like, what if we did an episode about Amazon, but turns out it's actually the, like, abused factory workers who are the real villains. And it's at Amazon itself is fine. And, like, it had this really strange viewpoint of, like, well, any job is better than no job. And, like... Yeah. I couldn't... So, basically, in the episode, they, they present a world in which all... Everything is so automated that no one has any jobs... But I found I felt I was confused as to so is everyone really poor, or is it that they need jobs because they feel directionless? Because if they're really poor, why is everyone why is Kablam Still so them. successful and yeah. they're always shipping stuff off? Yeah. Well, the idea is that specific galaxy, yeah, system, and like it was making it seem like kind of like wage slave sort of jobs are better than like w- was this a universe in which like everyone has like a standard living allowance or something it was yeah. a, it was there's some already some slightly messy confusion elements yes and then to see the doctor like save the day by making it so that everyone gets like two weeks off and this horrible giant company still gets to fun like what i think what bugs me yeah is that they were clear like obviously doing an episode about amazon yes no like you know yeah subtlety there but they said it in the far future on an alien planet so and it's science fiction and it's doctor who so you know tear it all down yeah like, make it like you can give simple solutions solutions on television yeah but obviously don't translate to the real world but it was very confusing to me that the doctor was like really still into yeah. the evil company. <laughs> yeah, the fact that I've got no problem with the Doctor being just like, we don't kill people. That yeah. is the bad way to achieve your goals. The fact that she was so dismissive of his goal, about mm. what he seemed to be doing. You're just like, we need to create more jobs for people. Because people... <laughs> he was like, we need to create more jobs because people are struggling. Mm. That was the impression I got. Like, talking to Lee Mack's character... Um, just like who only gets to see his daughter like twice a year because he has to work because mm. he doesn't want her to end up in the same situation as he is in. 
that is a fucking scathing critique of capitalism in my mind. That's yeah. what that's about. And that's what I thought the whole thing was about. And at the end of it, it's just like, oh, no, capitalism's OK. We just have to be a bit better. Well, yeah, I, I felt the same. I felt like, oh, they're going to really go for it, aren't they? And but then didn't. At the, when the episode ended, and, like, I enjoyed the episode. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, I felt this was one of the more, like, solid and fun episodes. The monsters series. were good and scary. The interactions were great. But I think we're meant to feel like, oh, isn't Lee Mack's character really noble and we need more people like him? The system is broken. Yeah, and, like, I liked the idea that the AI was suffering. It, like... Yeah. The concept of... People would only start waking up to Amazon's like Bullshit. corruption if like Alexa herself started like Saying asking help for me. help. That's, That's interesting. That's interesting. Um, I wonder if it's more a case of like they were going in that direction and then somebody the BBC got kiboshed. Kind of, no, no, like, no, 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 no. Taken out a bit. Maybe. I don't really know, but it's script part editor of a, with an agenda. Yeah, I mean, it's part of um, a few moments of the series where I felt like. They've started really interesting stories, but I felt the 13th Doctor hasn't, like, saved the day enough. Just more often than not, she seemed to sort of let baddies... I feel like she doesn't have enough of, um, as it stands writing-wise, enough of a position to stand on. Like, she's yeah. still trying to work out... So we sit hear her parroting stuff that previous Doctors have said. Mm. I don't really know where this Doctor stands on things. There's been a few times when I was really pro Big Tardis team, but there's been a few moments when I felt like Graham has been having conversations with people that the Doctor should be having. Yeah. His use on the show recently, and I, I think he's great. Yes. But his use on the show recently, he's like had these sort of heart-to-hearts with people in which he's also been trying to get information out of them. Yeah. And he's been using his kind of like oldie-worldy wisdom to like... Yeah disarm people i'm like that's a doctor doctor should be doing that that's an interesting fucking commentary when you think in the third episode the doctor actually switches jobs with graham and Mm. she should have been the one Mm. talking to uh chris i want to say chris the young guy working in maintenance oh yeah 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 there's just been there's been a few times where the big cast has meant that I sometimes feel the Doctor gets a bit lost. And I also yeah. think Yaz gets a bit lost. And I think it's kind of annoying mm. that still Graham and Ryan, who I like as characters, yes. the male characters tend to be better written. Yeah. And I do also think a problem is that all the companions are such huge fans of the Doctor. Yeah. When I think about every other TARDIS dynamic, the companions have always been challenging the Doctor. Yeah. I mean, from if we think about New Who from the jump, yeah. Rose never afraid to call the doctor out on his bullshit. Yeah. Uh, Martha, enamoured as she was with the doctor star, was there to just like, why are you doing this? Asking mm. questions. Donna, there's a reason why Donna and Ten is such a fantastic team. They felt more like equals than I feel like many have. Clara, um, oh wait, no, ignore Clara. Uh, Amy was infatuated with the doctor. And perhaps a little closer to where the current TARDIS team stand, but there was Rory. Yeah. And River. People who are suspicious of the Doctor, but and also there to put him in his place. Yes. And I can think of specific moments in every companion relationship where the Doctor has been thinking too big scale. And the Doctor, uh, the companions help him think more micro. Yeah. 
And I do think, like, so one of the best moments of the whole series so far has been when Graham was on that bus and yeah. saying, I don't want to be a part of this. Yeah. And it's because that was one of the few moments in which the companion and the Doctor had different yes. perspectives. Yes. And they, But it was such a small moment. Mm-hmm. And I don't... I think that bit was perfect. I don't want... But, like, any other series, maybe... Maybe Ryan yeah. would be trying to stop this from happening and the doctor yeah. saying, I know how awful this is. And, like, I don't know. I, is it me? Or are they trying to make sure the doctor isn't unlikable? I think that's the case. And it breaks my heart because I, I I, really bought into and trusted the idea that they were going to write the doctor exactly the same. But I think, and they haven't. I think there's a huge list of, like, no-go areas. And I think one of them is the doctor being wrong and, like, angry and... yeah. To a mo- like, I mean, that could be an elaborate commentary on the way women are expected to behave, but... <laughs> okay, so there's, like, there's some really shitty episodes of Capaldi Run. Like, yeah. there's this... So I, I, an episode I keep thinking about is the, the moon egg one. Ugh. Everyone hates it. It's Rightly so. sloppy. The writer said he didn't mean for it to be a big pro-life episode, but it does feel that way. Yeah. But even then, the episode actually ends in one of my favourite scenes of, like, Clara being really angry with the Doctor in episode because he was really uh, alien. He kind of, yes. like, left... He felt like a centuries-old creature mm. from another planet. And and Clara said, like, you're so horrible. But that didn't make me disbelieve that they loved each other and supported each other. Yeah. I think about... Think about every companion. There's always a moment in the in the sort of... Second or third episode yeah. of the companion suddenly realising, oh, you're not just like a fun trip around the universe, you are actually an alien and I'm required to give you some humanity. Yeah. Um, and I just feel it's a bit too best friends. Yeah, what is it? Um, I think it's Donna at the end of The Runaway Bride mm. says it, um, which is just like, don't be on your own. You need somebody with you. And the 10 is just like, nah, I'm fine. I feel like 13 would be okay. Yeah. And that's feels like it's missing the point. Yeah. And the thing is, I don't... Which I... sucks, because I love Jodie in the role. I know. Give I... Her, that woman is not afraid to do heavy lifting. Mm. She can do it. Hell, Chris Chibnall can write stuff like that. I do think it's a case of just like... I was really worried that they would write her as the first female Doctor and kind of make her quite... not give her enough personality. Um, Mm. And, like, my favourite moments have been moments of Jodie acting. Yeah. She's really, like, made certain lines come alive. Like, actually, one of my favourite moments and very Doctory bits is in episode one when Ryan says... um, She deletes everything on his phone and says, all my stuff's on there. And she goes, not anymore! Yeah. And I'm like... Yeah, the Doctor's a bit of a jerk. Yeah, there's this moment um, that I felt really, I don't want to say humanised, but made me fucking grin. Uh, It's such a non-binary moment uh, in Demons from the Punjab where there was the one about just like, okay, women with me, men in the house, and the Doctor's just looking at Yaz like, "Mm." (laughs) just like, ah, non-binary mood. But there's the moment later where she's talking about, oh, I never got to do this when I was a man, and they're just like, 
Uh, she's joking, aren't you, Doctor? Yes, any any references to my body or gender are made entirely in jest. And she goes like, I'm such a comedian. Mm. Um, there's a moment in the uh, hospital spaceship one where mm. they're talking about like the um, Book of Legends or whatever. Uh, yes. And someone says, there's a chapter about you, isn't there? And she goes, nah, nah, nah. More of a volume. <laughs> yeah. That episode actually, I feel, has come the closest to the Doctor feeling alien. Yeah, that whole bit with beginning where she's just like she's feeling bad. She knows there's something wrong with her, and the guy who eventually get flushes out of the airlock a moment later is just like, "You need to stop." Yeah, it was a great moment when she, as audience, were like, "The doctor needs to get back to the TARDIS," and she's like, "I need to get back to the TARDIS." You're like, "Actually, no, that's not the most important thing right now." Yeah, that guy was not afraid to oppose the Doctor. But the problem I'm having yeah. is that should have come from Yaz or Ryan yes. or someone. Yes. I was expecting Yaz as a police officer to be someone who was always wrestling with, like, command yeah. of the Doctor. She should have been, you know, maybe in the Rosa Parks episode, she should have had a bit more conflict over the fact that in that relig- in religion, in that... Uh, period of time. Period of time, you know... The police enforcement is utterly terrifying. Yeah, I mean, we are anti-police generally here. <laughs> I'm not anti-police characters. Or, no, know, but I mean... The, the and individuals and... The institution, not individuals. Yeah, I... But uh, my point, you're right, is the Doctor is such a force of chaos. Mm. Yaz doesn't feel like a police officer. There was one moment when she put um, the bad guy in Kablam in like a lock. And mm. like a lock. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, Police powers. Yeah. Um, I just, I don't know. I have I have issues. I w- this is a show I would love to be the script editor on. Because mm-hmm. so things are so close. Yeah. And I'm like... A- another example that really bothered me was in the Spiders one. Yeah. When the Doctor's saying, oh, er- everything needs a natural death. And I'm like... Mm. So the villain of that episode shoots a spider... That That's is dying. Like, and suffering. Yeah, finding it hard to breathe, puts out its misery... That's really brutal, but... The Doctor's willing to let them suff- the, all the babies suffocate and die. Yeah. And, like, I... F- Weird I, choice, show. I'm feeling like there's just a... Again, script editor job. Yeah. I would have the scene in the TARDIS at the end. The Doctor says, I've used the TARDIS to shrink them all back. They should be fine. Yeah. You know, clunky. But... but I, I sometimes need that. I yeah. sometimes just need, like, a little... A mm. little bow... Yeah. To exp- and whatever. Yeah. So we've got a few episodes left. There'll be an yeah. episode after New Year's Day. Yeah. 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 I'm, I really want this to be good. What is the episode tomorrow night? What's Tonight. It's Sunday, isn't it? Shit. <laughs> this comes out, this we'll be going out. Just after. after what is uh, the episode? It's the, wi- it's the Witches. And, oh, and yeah, the with Alan Cumming as James. I'm so for... excited for Alan Cumming. Yeah. This is the thing, like, I still have so much enthusiasm. Yeah. And every episode I'm like, hoping yeah I, I need those doctor moments um yeah. i feel like i'm hoping that with an episode looking at witches and witch trials having a female doctor there's potential here for something really cool and i hope i hope they do something with it i think what i need is the companions need to be less enamored with the doctor sometimes yeah and i need the doctor to, to not be afraid to, or the writers to not be afraid to have the doctor be unlikable and make choices. I just want to, I mean, simple times, I just want to save the day. I wanted to yeah. see her. A lot of episodes have just had the villain kind of disappear and yeah. they sort of, I guess that's the end. I wanted to, mm. as much as I didn't like the ending of Kablam, at, at least, least it was like, decisive. At least, yeah, at least she like stopped the baddie and 
yeah. and go, um, yes. that's what I need from the doctor. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, let's talk about something of a different tack. Full of lady characters, taking decisive action, <laughs> not being afraid to be unlikable in places, wrestling mm-hmm. with questions of morality. Let's talk about she and the Princesses of Power. Have you watched it all? Yes. Yeah, I, I'm not a binger, as we know on this show. Yeah. But, um, I, I felt it necessary to watch all of it very quickly. Yes. I really liked it. Me too. I've also said before that um, as much as I don't dislike any of these shows, I've always found it slightly hard to connect to shows from the Avatar mm-hmm. or Voltron people. Yeah. Um, I don't know why. I won't even yeah. waste time trying to explain why. And I was kind of expecting a bit of that, but for some reason I instantly like clicked clicked with a lot of the characters. Okay. Um, it had just a really good setup. Yes. Uh, I felt very hooked in from the beginning. Um, the characters immediately sort of struck. It took me, I'm not saying I liked every character immediately. It took me a couple of episodes to like Glimmer, for example. Mm-hmm. I found her a little bit of a slow burn yeah. as a character, uh, which is possibly just to do with my personal tastes slash the way I empathise with people. But uh, no, I am very enamoured with the show in a, a lot of ways. I've enjoyed the voice acting, uh, the animation, the music. Um, we can get more into it in a sec. Um, I was spending some time with my sister yesterday and I got to talk to my niece, um, mm. who I've talked about on the show before, Kyra, who is going to be nine at Christmas. And immediate thing is, because uh, si- I'd seen that my sister had rebugged a couple of things on Tumblr. So I got there and I was like, so have you guys been watching She-Ra? And my niece <laughs> is just like, yes! <laughs> yeah. And we got to have a really great conversation talking about She-Ra. And I was like, who's your favourite? And she's like, Katra. Mm. And just like, yes. And then we got to have the fun conversation about, oh, who are your favourites? Who's your favourite? And I said, what about Princess? And she was just like, hmm, giving this man a serious thought. And it was just, she's the target audience for yeah, this yeah, sort yeah. of show. And I love getting to connect with her and seeing why she's excited and why she relates to these characters. Yeah. And that's super cool because I can have all my things just like, oh, I wish they pushed this a little more. I wish this was the case. Mm. But at the end of the day, it ain't made for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's where I quite be to ignore a lot of the criticism that I've seen about She-Ra that seems to be coming from people of our age up, just like, I don't like it because She-Ra don't have boobs. <laughs> yeah. When I mean, everyone's... A- a- like, I actually watched um, some of the original She-Ra. It's all on Netflix, isn't yeah. it, at the moment? Um, I mean, like, the setup's very similar. It's the yeah. same backstory. She's part of the evil horde. And, Which I didn't know. Um, except in, it's more He-Man who arrives and shows her the light. I actually... Spoilers for something that doesn't happen in this series. Yeah. Um, I think there's some, like, loose connection to the idea that there might be, like, a twin planet. Yeah. But if there's no big, like, He-Man reveal or anything. It's actually no. really refreshing to see this show not be a spin-off. No. Adora is her own person, mm. and obviously there's a lot to be said about... Um, I've seen some of my trans women friends talking about She-Ra and how seeing a woman with that build broad-shouldered, flat-chested, tall, getting to be this unapologetic warrior woman, this Mm. princess, and the narratives within about uh, being trans, about leaving where you came from and finding who you are and people struggling to accept the new you. Yeah. It's very touching to see. Well, perhaps there's nothing explicit um, 
theme-wise, you can feel that sensibility behind the choices. Yeah. Also, shout out to my boy Bo, who I am <laughs> hands down convinced is a trans boy. Yeah. They haven't come out and said that, but the fact that they made the choice in the episode where they're visiting a Springs to have Bo wearing something that could be a chest binder mm. or some kind of covering was very just like, oh, show. Even if it's not confirming, it's like showing that that's Boy what... loves a crop top. Well, that's the thing. It's like, even if that's not confirming anything, it's showing that that's For a, a young trans man. Yeah, that's what a man can look like. Yeah. And that's how a man can dress. Also, Bi has powerful... Bo has powerful <laughs> Bi vibes. There's a slip. Uh, any Bo cosplayers, feel free to come to my table and say hi. Yep. <laughs> I'm planning... I'm going to, I say I'm planning, I'm hoping to do a Seahawk cosplay. Oh, my because God. Because I love him so much. Um, I know that um, the way Netflix releases animated shows, but they've, they have made a lot more than yeah. has been shown. So we've got a lot more Shira to come. So yeah. certain things have been said about characters that weren't really covered. Um, I know they said at a Comic-Con panel that Bo has two dads. Ooh. Um, but we haven't seen them yet. Yeah. I am. Do you, do you know what OG Bo looks like? Yes, I do know what OG Bo looks like. I am so hoping his dad looks like that. <laughs> that would be amazing. OG Bo is like a He Man haircut in brown with a very good mustache. He looks a bit like Seahawk. I'm hoping that, um, like, in, in a, like, we won't show um, Clark wearing the Superman suit till the final episode. Yeah. Uh, you know. Smallville thing but yeah. like in the final episode Bo will start growing a moustache <laughs> I want him to like I don't know he's great I love him I like how even when he's in a tux he like rips it to be yeah he takes the cummerbund off <laughs> it's just like they're just like I need to go find my cummerbund I'm cold yeah Princess um, Scorpia is one of the best characters to have ever existed this soft tall a little bit butch but also rocks of ball gown <laughs> Um, yeah, so there's an there's a, there's interesting thing. I, I'm actually getting from she some of the stuff I really hoped would be done with Finn in Star Wars. Oh, yes. The, oh, the whole, the whole coming from the evil side yeah, thing, I mean, sort of narrative. There's, I'm sure it might make some people uncomfortable that like they really humanise a lot of the evil characters. Yeah. But I think the show does a really good job of showing how people born into oppressive systems... Yeah can decide and make choice like there's a certain level of like brainwashing going on yeah and i kind of I, spoilers i won't say who but i like how they show someone leaving that and also someone kind of joining embracing that. it and oh yeah no joining yes yeah and like so you can see how um mm. they, they they haven't with the evil horde they haven't like gone super hard on like like specific fascistic no is that nice and refreshing yeah i mean it's, it's much more general kind of like evil demon yeah. kind of stuff look hordak is just a single dad trying to raise his <laughs> goblin baby sometimes you're just an evil space robot dracula <laughs> he just has a son slash pet slash, slash recording device <laughs> it's very unnerving <laughs> um, let me tell you that i love that weird goblin baby if they in the in the Old canon. Yeah. Um, Skeletor was one of Hordak's like um, like pupils. All right. But I kind of I they always had like a kind of bickering old married couple vibe if they ever had scenes together. Oh, now there's something to look forward to. I do kind of like. I don't want this to. 
if He-Man or any of that stuff ever comes in, I love the idea of it behaving like a spin-off to She-Ra. Yes. And it sort of existing in their universe. Yeah, I liked, I saw some art you did of like He-Man slash Adam mm. in the sort of style of the show. Which yeah, I mean, cool. I'm, not, I'm not hoping for it, but it's something you can't really ignore thinking about yeah. at least. But yeah, I'm, I'm hoping, because um, I don't want to go into too much of the plot details of She-Ra if people haven't watched it yet. It's not been out very long. I'm hoping to see some more obviously queer content that for, mm. I mean obviously it's one of those things that if you know it you see it like the relationship between Adora and Catra obviously um was it uh Spinella and Netra mm. the two that are always seen very close together yeah uh, those they... they have vibes uh Kyle and his lizard boyfriend which apparently <laughs> is a very popular ship of the production crew yeah just in the background like they're just like what's going on over there but about Bo's dads, mm-hmm. I think it's to come. I think yes. um, it's it, they've definitely left ground laid groundwork. I do know that um, as it's a DreamWorks property, mm. who also made Voltron, DreamWorks and Netflix have different views. Well, levels of comfort, maybe. Yes. Okay. Valid. Um, I think they definitely have to earn it. But I don't know. It's it's. It feels queer in its blood. sensibility. It's, yeah, you can feel it. Yeah, I mean, it has a out lesbian as a showrunner. Yes, um, it's, and I I know that Netflix has got like a lot of queer content for kids coming. Yeah. So I'm looking. It feels like it's there. I'm just looking forward to seeing more of it. Yeah. Also, one quick, totally not in it. Uh, Perfumia looks so much like how I picture my druid and Erin. <laughs> It's very uncanny. Like, she showed up and I was like, this almost feels like a call-out. Shit. But, yeah, yeah Bo being equally star-eyed over Perfumia and Seahawk. Mm. Powerful. <laughs> it's just good. It's and, very good. And, like, again, remember it's a kid's show. Like, yeah. the, the first step, the first season has a quite mm-hmm. simple first season-y yeah. plot. It's, like, adventure and... Yeah. But even then, I feel like they're setting up really interesting character dynamics. Yes, very much. Like Scorpia and the new addition to the Horde, because mm-hmm. I don't want to give that away at all, and Catra. But the thing is, like, Lonnie and Kyle within the Horde still, mm. and then also the fact that they've got the princesses together. I love Ice Princess, whose name currently escapes me. Like, that 11 and a half year old has got, like, mm. powerful, powerful energy. I'd also want to give a shout out to Swiftwind to add to our number of smart-assed horse sidekicks. Yeah. Oh yeah, we got asked the question: Who's your favorite? Like, yeah, Swiftwind's going to have to rise up the ranks. I uh, fabulous hair. One question I kept on asking throughout the whole series is: a lot of Adora's problems would be solved if she just got a new jacket. Yeah, it's I good, was like that. It's a great jacket. It's a good jacket, but you could get a different jacket <laughs> and uh, and like a top underneath which doesn't have Horde branding on the back. <laughs> She's just like, why does everyone treat me so differently? It's like, uh... Buddy, buddy. But it's a good jacket. I'm it's actually looking fun. forward to seeing people cosplay. I can't bats. wait to see cosplayers. Mm. A lot of good shoulder action in the mm. show. I feel like there's a real good nods to the 80s heritage mm. of She-Ra just, like, sprinkled throughout. Well, that's the thing. I mean, like, I don't want to put any focus on the criticisms of, like, body type stuff. Yes. But the, there is a reason the original She-Ra looked the way it did. It's so they could swap the different heads. Yeah. There's some good documentaries about um, He-Man and stuff on Netflix, and every male character in He-Man has the same body and every female character in She-Ra has the same body just because they would, Toys. like, have to new- make a new toy every month. Yeah. And uh, what have we got? Well, we've got 
like the horse head from the horse toy we made that sticker on the man body and maybe you've got a gun I can stick on this thing yeah uh, horse gun is the new yeah. character um, so yeah in the original show all of the women looked identical yeah um, but they had good characters yes and I think this show is doing a good job to like expand on that legacy yeah yeah. I think um, I think it's some people can see reboots that look really different and only see it's a little bit like the Lion King discussion where they're yeah. making Lion King is a carbon copy in a way. Yeah. And I think something like Shiro is a lot more respectful by making something new. Yes. Agreed. Anyway. Anyway. Should we get onto our news? <sighs> yes. We have some news. <laughs> the sign. <laughs> I think when people listen to podcasts and they hear the sigh of, yeah. here's some news, they might have clues. Yes. Uh, after much humming and ahhing and debating with uh, amongst ourselves, we have decided to uh, bring Box Not Included to an end. Box Concluded. Ooh! Um, we're very proud of what we've done. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we are going to do, I think, three more episodes yes. after this? Yes. Um... Next week's going to be a pretty standard one. <laughs> We're going to do a topic. Uh, something I've really wanted to do ever since I realised we'd get to episode 69. <laughs> yes. Um, we're going to do a sex episode. Um, looking at uh, how sex scenes are done in LGBT media. Yes. I think that's a, a valid topic. Yep. It's um, a big part of it. Yeah. Uh, we're also going to be doing a big, massive final Vox, no box Vox pop. Mm-hmm. It's going to be an AMA, guys. Yeah throw any question you can think of as many as you've got that you haven't had the chance to ask yet maybe not thought to ask we want to do a big blowout hearing from you our listeners who have made this show what it is and then in the new year i think around our two-year anniversary we'll be um doing a final episode yes um and like we've it was we decided to maybe end this um at comic-con and at Comic-Con, we have people come up and say how much they love the podcast. Yeah, so immediate guilt. So immediate guilt. And I I, I think we're going to be talking a lot, maybe in the final episode, about specific reasons why we're ending it. Um, I think one of the reasons is, as you probably have noticed, the, the schedule has been a little bit messy of late. Mm-hmm. And I think neither of us wanted to kind of peter out and go oh we haven't done an episode in a few months and And leave everyone hanging yeah we'll never say never there's always the potential to do some more but i think as long as if we have a a final episode yes um it stops us constantly feeling guilty it stops you constantly wondering when when there'll be more yeah um and I don't know. I, I don't want this show to sort of... I'm actually really proud of every episode. Same. I listened to our first episode recently to think about where we came from, and it's interesting how we actually haven't changed too much. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think we... Uh, yeah. It wasn't an easy decision to come to. No, we thought about it a lot. Um, and we also don't ever want to feel like we're finding it in. Just because other life demands getting in the way. Yeah, I mean, we used to do a different topic every week. Yeah. And we definitely got through a lot of topics. Yeah. Very quickly. We're not going to be deleting the feed. Um, I will say people maybe start downloading your favourite episode. You've got a little while because we're going to be renewing our memberships. So yeah. nothing's going to disappear. The archive will be there. But if you've got any particular favourite episodes, 
do download them. I think I'll be um, uh, definitely making it available, like even if it's like a Dropbox link or something. Yeah. We're also not going to close the Facebook group. Nope, um, that's absolutely going to stay open. I think I'll probably be using it more to mm-hmm. like talk about things I would have talked about on the episode. Yeah. Um, we are still thinking about doing a Discord server as well. I need to chat hmm. to some people about making sure it's a user-friendly and as safe a space as we can make it to and be. I don't think either of our um, podcasting days are over. No, no. Enjoy talking <laughs> into microphones far too much for that. Um, but again, we'll talk a bit more about it in our last episode. We're not going to make the whole last episode of Misery. No. Be a um, celebration. Yeah, but I think... We got we got this is our fourth last episode I think mm-hmm. and uh, we'll be saying this every time like just thank you so much for God listening. yes thank you um, I don't think we really expected to last this long anyway no um, we I mean we hoped yeah but uh, we've both had a, a legacy of podcasts um, mm. that don't last too long before this or one. start <laughs> yeah in my case oh in my case too yeah I had a few. But yes, if you want to send us a question, um, especially for the uh, big final no box box pop, mm-hmm. please do. Uh, you can do so via box not included at Gmail or box not included on the Twitter, on the Tumblr, or you can, if you're not already a member of the box not included Facebook group, sign up. Uh, we'll put up a post, ask a uh, question dump post. Um, yes. Yeah, um, we can also be contacted directly. I'm at Hamish Steele on Twitter. I'm still at J-Docs of Rose. <laughs> um, and finally, as always, we'd like to thank Graham Waller, Audio Overlord and Master of the Soundways for our theme music and helping to produce the podcast. But until next time, I'm Jade Rose. I'm Hamish Steele. And don't let anyone box you in. Mm-hmm.